The Canadian Forces is looking to set up a new propaganda arm to try to influence the behaviour of people in this country. The proposal, revealed in documents uncovered by Post Media, are an extension of a plan from the Chief of Defence Staff to, quote, weaponize the military's public affairs branch. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Ottawa Citizen military affairs reporter David Paglazi, who uncovered the story, joins me by phone to walk through what this organization has proposed to do, why they're trying to influence Canadians' behaviour, and what this could mean for the public perception of the Canadian forces. Don't forget, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. David, while many people would be familiar with the public affairs arm of the Canadian forces, likely through like TV and radio recruiting ads that many people have seen, Canadians wouldn't necessarily think of it currently as a propaganda machine or doing anything too shady, but you recently uncovered documents that show plans for a new organization within the Canadian forces that would kind of fill a propaganda role. What can you tell me about what was in these documents? The documents are the end result of an initiative started in 2015 by General John Vance, the Chief of Defence Staff. And he called this initiative, he referred to it as the weaponization of public affairs. So it's to transform the public affairs branch into something more than just you know communicating with the media, communicating with Canadians. They're going to be changing attitudes, Mm -hmm. motivating people, doing things like behavior modification. And so this document, which was provided to uh, public affairs officers last month and leaked to myself, outlines how they want to do that. And you said this came out of something from John Vance and uh, like uh, the idea of weaponizing public affairs. What does that mean and where does that push come from? The push is coming from a lot of these military commanders are veterans of Afghanistan. They saw attempts on how to change attitudes of Afghans, you know, not to support the Taliban. So they like some of the techniques that they saw there, the psychological warfare and and that type of thing. And there's been this push to kind of bring some of that home and have a more aggressive stance. So they take a look at what affects the public affairs branch can provide? How can they change Canadians' attitudes? Now, this information warfare aspect, people will argue that it's needed for overseas operations. You want to do this to, uh, you know, the Iraqi population, for instance. But it's a real no-no to try to do it on the Canadian population. And one of the things that kind of caught my eye about your story on this was this whole idea or this mention of behavior modification. How does the military want to modify our behavior and how do they want to go about doing it? And is it as sinister as I'm making it sound right now? <laughs> They've spent a million dollars. They hired a, a company whose uh, staff uh, originated from the parent company of Cambridge Analytica. You may uh, recall that from the controversy of Cambridge Analytica data scraped people's Facebook accounts and turned it over to uh, Donald Trump's campaign in, uh, I think, 2016. Training, we don't have a lot of details on the training, but it's essentially how to get a population to see things your way. And then once you manipulate that population, then that's kind of the idea behind that. 
Now, uh, the Canadian Forces, for instance, during the pandemic, put in place an information operations campaign. This campaign was aimed at preventing Canadians from uh, civil unrest during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They were going to use loudspeaker trucks and uh, radio stations, portable radio stations that they used in Afghanistan to do this and send these messages, do not riot, you know, stay indoors, whatever, whatever the scenario would be. Now, that little operation was put on hold after senior commanders started questioning the ethics behind that. Another thing they did in May was when they were getting ready to go into the uh, long-term care homes in the spring in Ontario and Quebec. So they started data mining Canadians' social media accounts to see what Canadians were saying about the long-term care homes. Now, the military commanders I talked to said they need this information to prepare for their mission. But they took some of those comments that people were saying on social media, particularly the ones against the uh, Doug Ford uh, government on, in Ontario, people weren't happy with Premier Ford mm-hmm. on how he handled the uh, COVID, and they turned that information over to Doug Ford's government. And some of the military saw that as highly unethical. You're kind of putting communications, public affairs units, intelligence units into the Canadian scene and doing this type of thing. If they're already doing some of these things, like there were, as you mentioned, there were talks around getting the word out about following public health orders and data mining people's Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. What would be different with a new separate organization? Or would this just kind of consolidate all of that work under one department within the Canadian forces? So what this strategy was, was consolidating and quantifying this capability. They would set up a special team that would monitor Canadians' um, social media accounts to look for trends, that type of thing. This was more just kind of, here's how we're going to do it officially, even though they've been trying parts of it already. Now, while the head of the Canadian Forces has talked about wanting to weaponize the public affairs branch, the politicians are the ones who are actually answerable to us as Canadians. What has the defense minister had to say about all of this? So when I asked the defense minister about this strategy, they came back saying, no, all this type of thing is going to be put on hold. We're not going to go forward with the strategy at this point. Now, the defense minister, uh, Harjit Sajjan, had already put a hold on this when, uh, you may recall, there was an incident where a propaganda campaign in Nova Scotia went off the rails. So we reported they were training on how to do this type of thing. They forged letters from the government of Nova Scotia telling people that there were vicious wolves in the area and to beware. (laughs) And somehow these letters got uh, put in people's mailboxes, caused great panic. Residents phoned the government of Nova Scotia, said, what's going on? They said, this is all fake. We don't know who's doing it. After it hit the local media, the Canadian forces came sheepishly forward and said, well, we did that. It was a mistake. We reported that, that this was a information operations, a propaganda operations that went off the rails. So Sajjan had already put a halt onto this stuff. But again, it's temporary. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the long term on this. And if they were already doing some of these activities, don't they already have kind of tacit approval of the defense minister? 
Well, exactly. In the 2017 defense policy paper that the Liberal government put forward, there is the approval from the Liberal government to expand information operations and propaganda techniques and capabilities. So it's right there in the 2017 defense policy paper. So for Sajjan to now say, well, I'm putting a halt to it, it's a little bit strange. Well, the horse already seems like it's out of the barn in this case. They're already doing it have any of these efforts, you, you talk about this, the Nova Scotia Wolves propaganda thing that kind of went awry. Have these been successful? Do we get a sense that the military is happy with how some of the efforts have been handled so far? Well, no. I mean, they're very embarrassed. This stuff has been leaking out to the Ottawa Citizen, my newspaper, who I've been reporting on it. So, no, they're not happy that this material is getting out into the public domain. I think they're in damage control now on how to spin this. And people don't like, you know, this type of capability being used at home. Has anyone said why use it at home and not overseas? Or do they plan on deploying it as Canadian forces are deployed in areas around the world? So the original idea is that you would use this type of capability overseas. But now you're seeing in some of their documents, oh, we have to beware the Russian propaganda, Chinese propaganda, that type of thing. But some in the military argue that's not the role for the military at home to deal with propaganda that Canadians may be seeing on Facebook or that type of thing. Well, we have government agencies that do that. And then the other aspect, of course, is if you you know you take a look at some of the fake news, so to speak, uh, that's coming out. I mean, a lot of it's coming from <laughs> south of the border, from you know high-level U.S. government officials. So. Now, your your most recent story about this new department within the forces follows on a story that you had done earlier, and you mentioned Cambridge Analytica, that the forces spent more than a million dollars on behavior modification training used by the parent form of Cambridge Analytica. Mm -hmm. How does that all tie into this? Is this where our Canadian forces were learning how to use some of this technology or some of these techniques? Yeah, this is part of uh, teaching some of these public affairs officers on some of these uh, techniques. We don't have a clear idea of what the techniques do other than, you know, they're aimed at modifying the public's behavior. The training is currently underway right now. And what the military hopes to do, they've had two contracts with this company. And once they've uh, done the training, they hope to be able to train other public affairs officers in these skills. So there's no kind of prohibition against using this stuff at home in Canada. These stories related to this, they don't shine the forces, the Canadian military, in the best light. And it seems to have been a rough couple of years for the military. We had forces having to push back against Proud Boys. There's mm-hmm. been concern about racism within the ranks of the Canadian forces. And I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. What have Brass been saying to you about kind of the public face of the forces currently and whether they could be doing a better job of improving their image. So that's the dilemma. There's people inside the forces who say, look, we should be seen as trustworthy. We should just be communicating. Forget about manipulating. Forget about behavior modifications. Just tell the truth. And that's usually the best path to go. Because if you don't go down that path, you get stories like I've been writing. Another thing they tried to do last year was, you mentioned the Proud Boys. Well, there's a lot of talk about racists and far-right extremists infiltrating the Canadian forces. 
So instead of saying, yes, we have a problem, they came up with a public relations plan to counter that. So they were going to try to counter that using social media and that type of thing. But then all that plan kind of fell apart when you had a whole bunch of high-profile incidents uh, you know, involving Patrick Matthews, the alleged far-right extremist who was captured in the U.S., mm-hmm. talking about a race war. You, you had a, an individual in Calgary, a sailor, talking about a race war and selling military weapons online. That just kind of made their counter plan fall apart. And so they had to scuttle that. And then finally, someone said, okay, let's just acknowledge we have a problem. And, and that was done this summer. Now, obviously, it wasn't a great summer either because, you know, you had the Canada Day incident at the Prime Minister's uh, residence when you had a member of the... Um, yeah, um, well, exactly. You had uh, a reservist yes. drive through, allegedly drive through Rideau Hall gates, armed, heavily armed, looking for uh, Justin Trudeau. So it's kind of hard to come up with a counter plan to say, hey, there's no extremists in the uh, <laughs> in the Canadian forces when this is on every newscast going. Yeah, and that was that was Corey Hurin uh, for yes, for our listeners who has allegedly rammed his truck through the gates of uh, Rideau Hall mm. a number of months ago. Looking ahead, is there any plan to kind of further address any of these issues with kind of broad public campaigns, or has the defense minister talked about the need to get in front of these things? Are you talking about uh, the far-right extremists or this public affairs uh, weaponization? Well, I mean, to be honest, all of it. Like, do you get a sense that the, the military has a handle on its own public image? Well, most Canadians don't really know about our military. That's one of the problems they face in that generally Canadians, eh, they're, they're not too aware of what the Canadian military does. So some insiders saying, let's repair that. Mm-hmm. Let's do that with positive material instead of this behavior modification stuff, instead of this spin cycle on steroids. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it makes a good, uh, they make a good point. Fascinating times for the forces. I I know that they've taken a step back in profile since they left Afghanistan and came home from the Middle East, but I know they're an important part of the fabric of many parts of our country. David, thanks for your time. Thank you. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, David Puglesi. More from him at ottawacitizen.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.